you guys running at the station? Do you guys have, I've seen a couple posts uh, from you of like your board there. Yeah. It's just the board set up and then you've got a little monitor you're watching everything or? Um, you'd have, we've got two different screens that we're looking at. One, one has the automation and then another was more or less a PC for various show prep stuff that we use. And I've also got a recorder on there that I utilize on that. So those are, those are the two screens we have now. We had a third with a different type, type of automation system previously. So it's evolved over the years. Automation system being that they kind of just plug and play your commercials and when it cuts to music or? Um, what's done when I'm not there and, and, and it, when I'm there, it's, it's like a live assistant. When I'm not there, it's, it's voice tracking is what it is. How does that work? Well, it's got, it's actually pretty cool. Um, it finally stepped into a modern day compared to what we had with the previous system that was replaced. Um, so all of the, all of the music is all in, in house on the, on the, on the computers, uh, voices from elsewhere around the world will voice track in the other jocks that you hear. And I could do the same thing. I mean, I could, I could be sitting in Greece and voice track in, record all the elements of my show, the computer and the way it's programmed and so forth. You know, a song fades. I could be talking over the top of it. I could have it triggered to start the next event song usually when I want it to. Back time and it back time right up to the, you know, where I want to jump out of it, you know, the beginning of the vocal or something like that. Um, and then, then commercials, jingles, and every other element. It's all on that one system. So, so you don't even have to be in the studio anymore. I would, I would not have to. No. Do you still choose to for most of them? I choose to because I like doing the stuff live and it's spontaneous. But there will be times, there'll be sometimes I'll have something else going on with other things I do in life and I'll need to sneak out early. So it's like, okay, maybe the last 20 minutes I'll, I'll voice track, but I can voice track at five minutes before I bug out of there. So I can, you know, include temperatures, conditions, stories we've been talking about, whatever, but I could also do a week's worth ahead of time. I could be on vacation and you wouldn't even know I was out of the studio. That's got to be a nice advantage. That way, if you're yeah. going somewhere, if you got something to do, like you said, you can yeah. just set it up and then it's yeah. like you're there. Yeah, I will probably, I think like the last day of the year, probably voice track that morning because we've been allowed to have a half a day off, but how do you take a half day off and still be on the air, make it worthwhile? You know, I mean, I'd like to, at the end, be able to still deliver the product that the, the people tune in for and not just go, oh, yeah, he's gone and he's just, you know, filling it in. So, um, but uh, the, I think the last day I will probably, you know, that Thursday afternoon, do Friday's show, put it in because I want to take off and do a couple of things. Yeah, half day. You might as well just do the full one. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 to me, to me, you know, including when I take time off and I don't take time off, um, I take into consideration what it's going to do to the product of the show. There's something to be said for actually being in the studio doing it. Oh, yeah. There's a well, different feel. Well, especially for, for morning drive. It's like this morning I'm doing the show and then I start getting texts. Hey, there's an accident over on 101 and, you know, it's blocked. And so, you know, that's why people will stu still tune in to listen to local radio is because you're not going to get that with, you know, Sirius XM. You're not going to get that listening to, you know, Pandora or something else like that. You get the music, but while I'm driving all of a sudden now I'm sitting between McKinleyville and Arcata knowing, okay, what's going on? How long is this going to last? What do I do? Um, you can tune on the local radio and go, oh, well, he says there's an accident. They've got a tow truck coming. It'll be 30 minutes or whatever like that. So. Yeah, that is one of the advantages, right? Yeah. Is that you can build, and especially where you've been doing this for so long, you've built kind of this 
culture around you in the community. Yeah. Yeah. It's worked out that way. I mean, the, the longevity here and, you know, people tune in, uh, you know, what's really been big is, uh, and what shows that force like that is, um, like the earthquake we had last December. I mean, I've, I've been in the studio following up a number of big earthquakes and stuff, but that was like a big example, you know, after the big shakeout at 326 in the morning and, you know, figured out our house was safe and standing. I told my wife, I said, I got to go to the radio station. So I think it was 326. And, you know, 30 minutes later, I was on the air and people, you know, they tune in the radio. They go, oh, Rollins there. You know, even if I'm not saying anything, just, just hearing me there, people have told me it's comforting. Somebody got a call from, uh, she was in Reading, her mom called from Rio Dell and said, hey, we had this huge earthquake, you know, the house is all shaken up, shooken up. And so she's on the road coming over and she could start picking us up on somewhere on 299. She says, the minute I heard that, you know, you're on the air and it's like 4, 35 o'clock in the morning. She just said, I just felt, you know, okay, you know, the world is still going to be okay because at least he's there and alive and broadcasting and saying, you know. You know, there's no major issues and stuff. So. Somebody's out there. Somebody's the out world's there. The world's going to be okay. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's a lot of what I'm, you know, when I do my show in the morning, it's just like, hey, f- f- you know, we're alive. We're here. We're kicking. We're, we're, you know, here's what we're doing. And, you know, have some fun doing it. You give some information and just so, some consistency. Well, that's what's cool about your show is that you almost feel like you're there in the room with you, kind of just shooting the shit. Well, that's just like our conversation right here. I, I, I always envision it's just uh, kind of a one-on-one, I, you know, and sometimes it, you know, I may address and, and deliver it more into a, you know, hey, all of us here type thing, but it, it's, it may be all of us here, but I'm still talking to you. You know, I'm not talking to you, the listener, or you, the, this person here, I'm just talking to you. And it'd be that uh, one-on-one type conversation, so. Was that kind of planned from the beginning when you started, as you wanted to embody that, or is that something you built um, up? No, not really. I mean, because I've been doing this so long, I, I don't know originally. Originally, I liked the magic of the radio, you know, uh, in June, it'll be 50 years I've been doing it. So it's a long time to be on the air. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, you know, I emulated, you know, people I grew up listening to and, and it was like, yeah, I want to be, I want to be like that guy, you know, one the, probably one of the biggest influence was just a local person. I grew up in Crescent City and uh, Bill Stamps up there who probably announced me on the radio and who's new in pink and blue, you know, he used to have a report every morning. Oh, you know, congratulations. Harry and Shirley just had a little boy named Rollin. He was, you know, seven pounds, whatever I was. And, um, but that's who I grew up listening to just same way, you know, the radio in the morning, you know, Bill Stamps talking about all that I've just mentioned, you know, going on in the community and the weather and things. And, and at the same time, you know, pumping up advertisers and, so just that connection, I think that's what I kind of like. But, you know, then I had the more of the showy people that, that every disc jockey liked, you know, Wolfman Jack, and then down in San Francisco, there was Dr. Don in the 70s and so forth on KFRC. And so there's elements of all that, having some fun and, and just, I never plan on doing radio full time. Really? No, it was always just a fun gig. And I've done a lot of other things while I've done radio. Because uh, I always said radio would never have, never pay enough never have um where you could depend on it and, and you know consistency and continuity and just provide a, a livelihood that i wanted and so i always did i would do radio in the morning and then i'd leave the station and i'd go to school literally is what i i did for a couple of years in high school I'd, I'd be at the radio station at 4 30 and work until 8 then i'd bug out of there and go to go to school and then sometimes i come back and 
do a show in the afternoon and other times maybe it was work a different job and then do a show in the evening time. And so I had that. And, and over the years, um, when I left, when I left high school and went down to pursue what I thought I was going to do down at Cal Poly, become an architect, I was working afternoons out of Morro Bay at a radio station there. Just again, it was a job and it was fun. Um, and then when I came, when I came back, finally up back into Humboldt instead of Del Norte now, um, did a other things and over those years you know i uh, ran my dad's goodyear store for 10 years i do a show in the in the morning at kred am and then i'd leave there and go work the uh, goodyear store and run that and did that for like nine and a half years and then uh it was late 20s and i decided i wanted to open up a franchise at the mall so i was 29 and i opened up a doctor pet center there and I had that for about four and a half years and it was then in the early 90s when I got out of that, I said, well, you know, this radio that I've always done part-time, maybe if I put 100% effort into it and devotion, maybe I can make it more uh, profitable. So I, I decided then to go in and not just do the radio, but also do uh, the advertising sales side of it, which I did since the, the word go, because the very first job I had, they, didn't, they couldn't afford to pay me. But they, we had an agreement, you know, 50% of whatever you sell, you can keep. So the first, first advertiser I sold for was McKevy's, McKevy's drive-in in Crescent City. It was like $35. I got 17 bucks. It's like, score. Made it. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm making it now. And that's the best percentage I've ever kept on any kind of sale of 50%. So, you know, so in, in the early 90s, when I got out of my business at the mall and, and went into radio full-time, where I'm at now, um, uh, that's where it's worked out is, you know, I make the money selling and I have the fun being on the air and they complement each other, obviously. So, so when you first started, how old are we talking? 17, 18? Uh, no, I was 15. 15 on a syndicated radio show or? Well, no, just a local station just up local. In, up in Crescent City, KPO. 15. 15. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I was 15 and, and, uh. How did you talk your way into the room? Uh, I, because I talked my way into the room. <laughs> I think I actually applied over at the other station. There were two stations in Crescent City at the time, uh, KPLY and KPOD. And I think I, tr uh, I applied over at KPOD. They had an opening for a Sunday shift. And, uh, you know, I talked to Bill Stamps and uh, he was also a neighbor about three houses away. And I went to school with, you know, it was a small town community. I went to school with, uh, you know, a couple of his kids. Uh, but my friend Terry Levitt, who also applied a couple of years older than me, he got the job. Um, but another friend of mine, a couple of years older was working at KPLY and I used to hang out there and you know, eventually I think at one point he needed somebody to fill in. So I filled in once or twice. So then, uh, I weaseled my way into being able to do a Friday night show there. And that's kind of how things started. So it's almost a foreign concept to me in today's world where they would let a 15 year old, even for just a local station, do that. Well, any radio station is hard to get aboard anymore because um, of the technology that you know we've talked about, and uh, you don't need the you don't need the staff that you you can uh, did back then. You know, back then, if you were on twenty four hours, you needed people there twenty four hours. Uh, you know, nowadays it can all be done computer wise, and it can be done remotely, and everything else. So you just don't need that. And and like any business, uh, usually employees are a big portion of your overhead. So if you can whittle that down and still put a product out, your profit lines could be much better. So yeah, it's tougher these days. To I wouldn't want to try to get into the business, and I always encourage people if you want to make money and that kind of stuff, don't get into radio. You know, at least not on the on-air side because there's you know there's there's no money and there's still no money in it today. 
So, but again, I've, I've, I do the financial side, which pays the bills and, you know, so forth is over on the marketing side. So. Well, it's interesting that you've always had something on the side that you've been working at as well. And it hasn't just been radio, it's been sales or it's been working at Goodyear or doing these other things. Yeah. Oh, I've always, well, I've enjoyed, <laughs> I, I have a tough time saying no. Like my wife said last night, somebody said something about a, a second job. He said, well, yeah, my husband's got four jobs. So, I mean, even today I do the radio and I do it full time and it produces more income than I've ever made ever in my life. Uh, but I also, in the last uh, three and a half years, been selling real estate and that's turned out quite well. Uh, and I also officiate sports with uh, football and basketball. And, you know, that's all just been done. That's to me more of a hobby, but, you know, that puts some coin in the pocket. So it all helps. Oh, it all helps. Yeah. So oh. has the money gotten better? With this market being this competitive in radio as, as it is now, is there better margins for you as a radio DJ or it's still just not great? No, no there's, there's no money in it. <laughs> there's, for, for all those that are strictly on the air, um, they're not, they're, they're making probably below a minimum wage. So you have to have something on the side. You, you, uh, yeah, you, to live, you have to have something on the side doing something else. And, you know, a lot of them will uh, be a wedding disc jockey or maybe they've, you know, pour beer at a bar or something like that or, or who knows what they do. So, so you have to love it to do it. Really? Cause yeah. it's not something you're not going to be making a well, million dollars each year. No. Just being no. a radio personality. No, not at all. Yeah. You know, I always, I always say it's, uh, it's a great job. I love doing, you know, I, I've been pleasured with the fact that on a Sunday, I look forward to going to work on Monday. Well, most people go, oh, I've got to go to work tomorrow. So, you know, me, it's like, hey, I get to go, I get to go do this. I get to say my name on the radio as Buck Buchanan used to say around here. So. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's just, I don't think a lot of people have that where they wake up on a Monday and they're excited to go no. to work. And I feel sorry for, I feel sorry for everybody that, and, and most people are that way. I feel uh, where they, they have to go to work, you know, cause we've got to, you know, you got to pay the bills, got to pay the bills. And I, I've been lucky enough that uh, what pays my bills is also what's fun to do and, and I enjoy and so forth. So I feel sorry for people that will spend 20, 30 years of their life doing stuff that they really don't want to do. But they got to because, you know, we have to survive, eat, and so forth. So, no, I've been lucky. Was it always just an interest in kind of following those footsteps of the people that you listened to? That was kind of your primary motivation to getting on the air? I don't know what it was. Because I, 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 I do recall well before I was actually on the air subjecting my mom as I was a kid to me playing radio, I used to have, and for all the boys and girls in the audience, you can ask grandma and grandpa about what records are. Uh, but I used to have a couple of record players and we had this portable intercom system that you could plug into a household circuit. I'd plug one unit in front of me, turn it on, you know, intercom, permanent intercom. She would get the other one while she was ironing clothes that day for an hour and have to listen to me, and I'd be in there, and I'd play a record on one record player, then I'd talk between the other ones, and I'd start the other record player, and I'd pick up a newspaper and pretend like I was reading the news. So, you know, and that was probably nine, ten years of age at that point when I was subjecting her to that. So I've just always enjoyed that connection. You know, it's some people want to be a movie star. Some people want to, you know, be on television. And, you know, nowadays people want to uh, be social influencers and they're making their TikTok videos and the IG, uh, you know, postings and stuff like that. For me, it was, I wanted to be on the radio. So and then at one point, I, as I was probably just going into high school, I built my own 
broadcast station in my, I had a kind of a closet off my room, bedroom, and uh, a phono oscillator is officially what it was. And I could legally have a 10 foot wire on it for my antenna. And so I put it on top of our two story house with a 300 foot wire. And so I covered probably about a block or so in the neighborhood and I would tune the frequency to close to one of the other two stations in town. So somebody tuning in one of those stations might accidentally skip across and hear me. And I don't know if I ever had any listeners besides my mom in the house again or my sisters, but no, I've, for some reason, I've just always had the, the drive. I just found it interesting. I found I had the connection and so forth. So, well, that's quite the drive to be able to go and want to do that to kind of engineer this little studio in your house. <laughs> well, I'm always finding ways, ways to get out there and get closer to the real thing. You know, I mean, it's like nowadays we have the podcast that we're doing right now. You know, back then we didn't have internet we, and we didn't have podcasts and stuff. So if I wasn't doing what I was doing, what I'm doing now, and I had that drive today, this would be probably the medium that I would look over and it's like, yeah, I'll do a podcast. And there's a lot of radio guys that uh, have retired from radio, but they're doing podcasts and such. I interview people on the air um, all the time for, for podcasts. In fact, two weeks ago, I had Rob Reiner uh, was on my show and we were talking about a podcast he was doing with a, another gal who actually hosts the podcast, but he was doing it with her on the JFK uh, assassination. So, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, in this medium doing what we're doing right now today. Yeah. Especially with podcasts. Yeah. Everybody's got a podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. I don't have a podcast yet. Maybe one of these days I will. Have you thought about starting one? Yes. And I quickly think why I'm just already doing that work. Why, why do I need You're already to do? on the radio. Yeah. I'm already on the radio. You know, if my key doesn't work at the station tomorrow, then maybe I'll do a podcast. So. Yeah, if they lock the doors, then they lock okay, the door. We're, we're change find account, another way. Cross my name off my parking spot, which I don't have one, but just cross my name off, and it's like, yeah, okay. They finally figured out they don't want me anymore. So, you know, maybe I'll do a podcast. When you were starting out, when did the interviewing aspect take hold? Were you always kind of doing interviews? I always liked doing the interviews. Um, you know, it was it was being a disc jockey, but I I, I liked doing the interviews. I can remember that first station, the couple that I work for. This was really a small town radio station, but they came from big backgrounds. I think he was out of North Carolina, uh, North Virginia, and I forget where she was. And she was kind of a big radio star in the fifties when, when radio stars were stars. And I remember one time we were going to broadcast the 4th of July parade in Crescent city. And I got to sit with her and be one of the, you know, play-by-play commentators of the 4th of July parade. But I enjoy that live broadcast. And I, I think I enjoy the live aspect unscripted just for the ability to be able to, you know, you have to think on your feet, you have to converse and so forth. I remember one time prior when I had had the application or the interview going in to get that first job that I didn't get at KPOD, uh, my dad and I going over to the high school to play some tennis on a Sunday morning and kind of sat in the truck and talking a little bit, you know, oh gosh, dad, I really want to get this job. And, And he goes, well, you know, I think he was trying to cushion me, you know, for the inevitable. He goes, you really got to have a gift of gab. So just keep that in mind. I was thinking, I can talk. So, and I've, I've think about that one conversation in the pickup truck, there, sitting outside the tennis courts over the years. It's like, and he listened to me for a long time before he passed. Um, yeah, so he obviously knew that I had eventually a gift of gab, but I think that's what I like about interviews and the live stuff and the interviews that I do. And tomorrow on my program, uh, just to give you an example, I'm going to, I've got three different interviews in amongst all the music. Um, I'm going to be interviewing Weird Al Yankovic. 
Um, I'm going to be uh, interviewing uh, Dean Sams from the group Lone Star, who's appearing this week. And then uh, I've got an interview with Leah Thompson, the actress from the um, uh, Back to the Future movies. And while a lot of times I have questions that should be supplied or I've got bios and stuff like that, I just like to have that conversation like you and I are having right here. So, you know, as we would is sitting in uh, on a couple of lawn chairs or in a couch and whatever and say, hey, you know, what'd you do today? Or, you know, tell me about, you know, so you got a book out, you know, what inspired you to write that book or whatever the topic is that we're addressing. So do you, how do you go about it? Do you script out any questions or dig no. into the person or you, you just like to shoot from the head? <laughs> These that are coming, like the, the interviews tomorrow, um, I'll have some kind of bios and, and I'll already be thinking about certain things that, you know, uh, that I want to talk to them about or have some kind of outline, but I don't have specific questions. I may have one or two things that I want to work my way towards, but I try to have that in a conversation. Um, you know, just a, an open conversation. And, and most of the time, um, I've got very limitation on time for two reasons. I don't want to be away from the music too much because that's really why people tune into my show. Um, uh, but also I've only got so much time with them cause they've got other interviews as they're lined up for uh, numerous interviews. Um, and then just try to, you know, get to the point. So if, if it's a book, you know, that, uh, weird, weird Al's got a, a, a video out that we're going to be pushing. Um, Leah's pushing a final episode on a CW show that she's currently on. So, you know, that will be my focus is to mention that, hey, the finale for the season's coming up on Wednesday. Uh, but we'll talk about, you know, probably Michael J. Fox. It's, it's all the stuff that has gone through my head. You know, she worked with Michael J. Fox on all these Back to the Future movies and, you know, probably check with her. Hey, do you have any communication with her? How's he doing and stuff like that? So um, that's about as pre-planned as I, as I get. And it's helpful that these guests have done something that's out there that you can see and say, well, the, oh, this is a direction we can kind of take it. Yeah, that's usually what I do. But, you know, if I sat down with you, I don't know anything about you. You know, I don't know, you know, you're doing podcasts here. And by the way, this is a pretty cool studio. I mean, you've, you've put quite a bit into this. Um, what got you into podcasting? Why do, you, why do you want to do these interviews? I just kind of, you know, I've been asked that question a couple of times now, and I, I never feel like I have the right answer for mm -hmm. it. It's one of those things where each time I try to dive into it, it doesn't feel like I do it justice. I think I just, it was COVID. I started in 2020. There you go. And I think I was just kind of spiraling, losing my mind, living <laughs> on the internet. And for whatever reason, recognized that I needed to talk to people. And at the time there was no, you can do this. You can actually get in a room with somebody and nobody, I was a kid in college. There was no reason somebody would want to come just have a coffee with me and talk. Right. And so this was kind of the avenue to corner people and get them in a room with me and kind well, of it works that way. I, I had information today that I shared on the show, uh, eight habits of uh, happy people, eight traits that happy people do. And, and one of them was, is, um, is, is, uh, connection with people on a daily basis, five to six people, at least every day having a connection with, uh, this is one of the things that, uh, a trait that makes a person happy. And so, yeah, like you said, you, you had a Thursday desire to have some kind of connection. And, and during COVID, we were all supposed to be isolated, et cetera. So it gave you that kind of connection. So what do you enjoy about doing this now, now that you've done it and how, how many years have you done it? Uh, it'll be four in March. Okay. I well, think. that's a long time. So as, so in, in, when you first started to now, what has changed you think in your podcasts? I think it's slowly gotten better. 
I think we're making incremental progress. The conversation. Well, that's a good gotten, thing. Yeah, it, yeah. I feel if like it got worse and worse. Like eh, maybe we should hang it up. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes you do, and I'm sure you can relate to that. You have an interview, or you're talking to someone, yeah. and it just feels like it was a train wreck, a crash and burn, and then you put it out there, and you're like, oh man, this people are going to see this, and it makes it sting even more. Yeah. But then you just get back on the horse, I guess. Well, submit yourself that. to more torture. Yeah, yeah. It's only a podcast. And and I I told I actually told my uh, my uh, boss this morning we were talking stuff about he was stressing on something about radio. I said, Dave, it's just radio. It's not it's not like we're doing brain surgery and if we mess up, someone's gotta suffer from it. I said it's just radio and this is just a podcast. So hey, you know, today's and sometimes I think as we look at all the other things that happen in life, uh in in a uh, entertainment medium, people love train wrecks, you know. So it's like, man, did you see his podcast yesterday? You know, maybe he'll screw up really bad tomorrow. Let's listen. Let's watch. So is this video too? By the way, yeah. Oh, I should have video done my makeup. No, you look I good. Should yeah. have done my makeup. Now you tell me. So, no, I think that's just what I, I like the spontaneity. I like the the communication. I like the you know, and I always feel like I I learn something. I learn from people that you know maybe maybe. Nobody thinks they have anything to give, but sometimes that's some of the best connections, you know, when I've talked to people. So, And it feels like it's a different kind of conversation when you have the headphones and you have the mics mm-hmm. and you're here to talk to the person. It almost feels like it can take on a different life than when you're just sitting on a couch with somebody talking. It feels like you kind of hit a different frequency, even if you're just shooting the shit. Because how often are you in a room with somebody nowadays and they're not on their phone? Or you're not watching TV yeah. and talking on the side or doing something else well, yeah, it, in multiple it, conversations. It is a, it's a, it's a uninterrupted connection. And I'm, I'm horrible about being on my phone and, you know, checking stuff. And so it's, I, I try to now, if I'm sitting down to eat and, or, you know, converse with my wife or anybody, I try to turn my phone over. So in case there's a notification, I don't see it. I'm not distracted. Like, Ooh, what was that squirrel? Um, but yeah, that is a fallacy of, of the technology that we have. And there's nothing like that human connection. I, you know, I love a human connection and I like, I like meeting people like you that I don't know anything about, you know, you know, you know learn more about who you are and so forth. And, you know, sometimes you go back for one, sometimes you're like, that's enough, you know? Well, sometimes it's a challenge when you bring on a guest and especially if they're just a person that's local and they're not doing some some broad endeavor and you're trying to pull things out of them. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, what can we talk about? Where can we take this conversation? And you're almost sending out little feeders to try to see, okay, is this a tangent that we could take that would be interesting or right. where are we going to go with this? I find a lot, I, 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 I will find sometimes I'll be at a, a party or a bar or something with other people. And maybe people that I, I know a name, but I don't know anything about. And, and, and we get talking and, the more that we all have, or I think we all have, but I probably am guilty of more so than others to start talking about ourselves and, and what's what, you know, Hey, this is what I do. And, you know, in a bragging or whatever, Hey, the, um, but I like it better if I can get you talking about yourself and then just let me shut up, you know, you know, and, and then I think in the end, the relationship, you're going to be happier with the conversation we had. Rather than you sitting there listening to me, I'd rather sit here and listen to you and have you expound upon what you do in life and, you know, what excites you or what doesn't excite you and so forth. So, 
Yeah, I have a very hard time talking about myself. I think that's one of the reasons why this kind of works is because I would much rather listen to the guests. Now, do you make do you make money on these podcasts? I mean, is there We're working there? You know, it's, uh, uh, it's, well, so do you sell it, or do you get if you get so many hits on the platform, or do you, do you get reimbursed that way? I always want because maybe maybe this is what I need to do. I'm not making any money in on air radio, so you can make money on platforms like Facebook and YouTube, depending on how many views you get. That's right. that's kind of one endeavor you can make money off clips reels and stuff they'll pay you depending on the impressions that they get sponsors is another avenue i haven't really started oh maybe i should start selling for you yeah (laughs) yeah i could use the sales force but that's i mean there's money to be made it's just you got to get the eyes like i'm sure with radio you have to have people listening why pay for it yeah yeah i mean because that's uh you know when i'm out selling advertising for uh, the radio and so forth you know people want to be where their message is good you know that's their investment to to be heard of whatever their message is so we've got to have listeners to be able to you know hit those get those uh reactions so yeah nobody wants to pay for airtime if it just goes out into the void goes to nowhere yeah well, I use that when I'm selling too. You know, sometimes uh, people talk about a rate and say somebody will have a real low rate. And I was like, I'm not going to argue with who they say is listening and what it's worth. If, you know, if, if it's a $2 rate versus, you know, a higher rate that we may have, you know, I'm not going to argue that that's what they're, you know, that's what it's worth over there because, you know, it's all based upon listeners and, and, and results. So you still do a lot of your own sales for your show. I do, I do a lot of sales for all of our stations. For the radio in general? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We don't have a real big sales staff, but I, I probably produce out of what the, the what's produced in this market, somewhere between 20 to 25% of the revenue. So like I said, that's where the money is. And I love sales. Like I said, you know, with the store that I had at the mall, uh, the um, real estate that I'm doing also now, you know, I, I love sales. But, you know, the reason what I like about sales is, you know, one, the money is is good if you're successful, but two, it gets back to the people. I love working with the people. I love working with a merchant that's got goals, what they're trying to do with their business. My, you know, 16 years of being in business helps me understand what it's like to be on their side of the coin. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's still it's still the people thing. What does your sales pitch look like? Are you going and just presenting kind of <laughs> this the is views? it? This is it. Well, a lot of a lot of the clients I have now I've had for a long time. So you've got that rapport with. We've well, got the rapport with them, and we've been working together. And you know, I stay in touch with you know what their business is doing as it evolves and the year goes around, and what we're trying to achieve currently, what we're trying to achieve in the future, and how we can work together. Because I can go and sell them something and make a big sale this month, but if it didn't work next month, they're not going to want to see me. You know, if you know, my goal is to be make your business a success because then you're going to want me to come back in the door next month so we can do it again. Because if you're not making money, I'm not going to make money. You're going to have that equal grounding. Yeah. It's got to be a win-win for both people. And I would only make money as a salesperson, whatever I'm selling for a very short time. You know, the, you know, I'm just an element of, of what, you know, hopefully it's going to be the success of your business. So. One of the interesting things about Sales like that is it seems it's so ingrained just in every aspect of life. If you can be a good salesman, if you can have the ability to build a rapport with people, you're going to succeed. You just have to. I would th- you would think so. And you've got to stay flexible. You've got to, you've got to, 
not stay entrenched in just one mindset and so forth. Uh, you know, stay open to things as they evolve. You know, like the radio thing, I started playing records and now we're all on computers, you know, and there was carts and tapes and everything, CDs all in between that. Um, so you've, you've got to, you've got to stay fluid and, um, yeah, if you, I, I think a person where they could be that way in a lot of in a lot of things in life. You know, you could be you could be a great person on the counter at McDonald's, and you could be great because you had attention to what you were doing and why you were doing it. You know, serving the customer on the other side, you know, doing stuff that makes it also workable and and successful for your boss, the owner. And you could take those skills and you could step into something else. Uh, if you have that same kind of mindset and skills, you should be able to do anything in life. Do you feel like there's any level of capture in that regard? One of the things you always hear is that if you get too controversial, you might lose out on the sales. I mean, your show's not really, you get, you're not really swinging from the hip with your guests, but. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, don't burn, don't burn too many bridges because there's not a lot of bridges around here that you you know. That's the hard part about being in a small market. Yeah, and uh, and open to it. Uh, there's things, and anybody that's been around me, whether they see stuff I post socially, and I'm not real controversial, but um, and same thing on the air, I'm not real controversial, but people will know the the views and the stance that I that have probably make up my DNA. Um, but I'll be open to, you know, the other side of the of the equation, the fight, et cetera. Um, there's been times, especially during COVID, that uh, as I was adamant about some of the things that we were forced to do, uh, I had people on the other side of the coin say, well, but we need to do this for this and that. And, and sometimes uh, and I would step back on the social platforms. I usually didn't do it so much on air, but I step back and, and on the social platforms let other followers and friends interact and go back and forth. And then people would be getting mad on things that were said about me or things that I had said. And they were like, well, why don't you just ban that person and not listen to I said, I don't want to surround myself with people that are yes people. I want to, I want to hear what the other side people, you know, have to say. Yeah, and, and sometimes the other viewpoint might have some validity and, and, you know, educate me or, you know, change me a little bit on what I'm thinking because, you know, none of us are a hundred percent correct and, and sometimes really define what is correct, right, et cetera. It's almost a lost bit of nuance in the world today. The ability to, to talk to the other side and yeah. not fully agree, but take points that they may have and then come back to your side and take points. And then accept them. Acceptance is the biggest thing. Yeah. No, that is true. I, and there was something I, I, I sit back and I think, uh, you know, when did that change and so forth? And I saw an article sometime in the last couple of years that um, somebody blamed it on, I think in the 90s, one of the presidential campaigns and the news media outlets, CNN and a couple others, were really getting big numbers because covering the battle between the different two different political factions. And then that died down and they kind of like, um, okay, we don't have the following right now. People aren't tuning in because we don't have this controversy to report on. And they started kind of creating that friction between the parties. And you start looking at some of the evidence that was presented in that argument about that. And it's like, yeah, kind of prior to that, both parties could battle each other, but they accepted and kind of moved on until the next time where maybe there was voting or whatever going on. 
But nowadays, it is so venomous between the different parties, and it's, it's like, oh, wait a second. I think if you took away some of the titles and you got down to the core of who we are in America and maybe the world, we also kind of get along. We may not all agree that we all like peas, we all like carrots, but we all kind of like vegetables and the fact that we can eat. So yeah, I, think that's, I think that's where some of that controversy stemmed from. And it, bridged, it branched from just the parties as a whole to individuals within the party. It seemed like there was a time, I'm a little too young to remember it, when neighbors could disagree and still sit at the same table yeah. and be fine. And now, you like, say oh, the wrong hell thing. no, yeah. I'm not going over to their house, or yeah, we're going to build a fence. Or, or we can't be friends anymore because you believe X, Y, Z. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. You know, I've got, I've got somebody who's, uh, who's uh, probably as far on the other side of the, uh, the argument as I am on my side, uh, yet I still consider him a friend. And, and we're working together on some projects and stuff. Like, it's like, yeah, I, I agree. You've got that stance. I've got this stance. And, you know, good. We're in a place where we can actually voice either side and, and allow it to do so. So we gotta, you got to look at some of those things and rights and, and uh, pleasures that we do have. So. Do you feel like you have to moderate yourself in some sense? Because you are this voice and people might want to come or hear your perspective on a variety of things. I do. I've, I've, uh, with the, the time that I've, I've done the radio, I have um, always thought about what I'm saying before I say it. Although my wife might argue, argue that, you know, but uh, most of the time I am thinking what I'm going to say, possibly how it's going to be received. And then where, you know, I'm thinking two or three steps ahead of, of the, the, the game at that point. So, which I used to love because decades, probably 30 years ago, I was a square dance caller for about four or five years. So I enjoyed that part of it. You know, it was, it was singing out the, the call for the dancers to do after they're doing what I already just told them to do. And they're doing that thinking that as I call out this next move, it's going to put them in this position so I can call this call. So it's like, you know, it's thinking three or four ahead of time while it's all happening at once. So that's probably pretty important to maintaining a career as long as yours is not stepping in these landmines. Yeah, that's the part. I've been lucky. You know, I've, I've stayed in small markets and stuff like that. I, um, you know, uh, being valuable, whether it's radio or whatever, to whomever is employing you and paying your paycheck is, is probably the secret to longevity, you know, making sure that you're valuable. Um, um, but there's no guarantee, you know, I've, anybody's replaceable too. You know, I could be replaced tomorrow, then I'll start my podcast. Yeah, especially with all the AI technology they have where they can just clone that's your scary. voice and slap you up there. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's, I like technology and, uh, and I find it, I find it really interesting. I'm kind of a nerd on, on a lot of stuff, but also at the same time, as we talked earlier about somebody wanting to get into radio, um, man, I don't, I don't see that 10 years from now that, you know, we would have a need for that. I mean, same thing for movies and everything else. You know, why pay an actor thousands, millions of dollars if we can create something electronically and tell it to do everything we want it to do and expressions and, and looks, and you couldn't tell the difference from a real actor. And I've listened to AI disc jockeys that you would not know was just a computer. You would think, okay, I remember it was a female one. It's like, she just, she sounds like anybody else I would hear on the, on the radio and not just uh, everybody else in the camp, but somebody interesting to listen to as if you and I were sitting here talking to each other. That's a terrifying thought. It is. 
but I'm at the, I figure I'm at the end of my career just because of my age. So, you know, 10, 15 years from now, I'm probably not going to be around to do this. So, so I don't have to worry about that. I don't think AI is going to replace me just that soon, but who knows? I went down a rabbit hole a couple of days ago of these Instagram models mm-hmm. who are, you know, pushing brands and stuff. And it turns out they're just AI generated images and somebody's running the account for these girls. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. I had a story this morning in my show prep that I never, uh, never brought up on the air because again, thinking, uh, you know, considering who's listening and so forth, you know, it's a, it's a family show and stuff, but there's a lot of apps now that I saw and I thought, oh man, the people, uh, there's apps that you can get and you can take anybody, a celebrity, whoever else, their image and the app will basically disrobe them and show you then them standing there, which looks like a picture was taken or a video, whatever of them, the same person, but without clothes on. And so if they can take them off, I'm sure they can build these, a, you know, IG models and everything else, you know, via uh, artificial intelligence. So. Yeah. Those OnlyFans models are making a lot of money right now, but how long is that going to be around? If you could just plug and play and create your own yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I I don't know. Do you mean you're saying I'm going to have to give up my OnlyFans yeah. account? You might still be able to do the feet finder. That one might stick around. <laughs> have you seen my feet? <laughs> I could guarantee yeah. there's probably a market for it. I have, well, I'm sure there is, but I have feet for radio. So just like my face. <laughs> yeah. it's We're in an interesting time with that. I think a lot of these these jobs and kind of how we go about life is going to change pretty drastically. Well, and it could be good. Uh, but we've all seen the movies that have been around for years about, you know, where uh, artificial intelligence ends up taking over and thus, why does it need humans? And we'll just eliminate humans and survive on our own. Um, and it's probably closer to being able to do something like that than we realize and and there could be situations for the tedious task and and maybe the precise task, whether it be a surgeon or whether it be somebody picking tomatoes, that it'd be nice to have AI doing that. But then after a while, those people that were in those roles, what are they doing? And pretty soon, uh, just like a retired person that has nothing to do, why do you live? You know, how do you physically stay in shape? I mean, what I I haven't thought too deeply about that, so. Yeah, it's kind of a rabbit hole you could go down. Yeah. <laughs> What's the point of it all? Yeah, I'd rather worry about who's going to be playing Monday Night Football tonight. It's, I wonder if you lose something. So when you were listening to that radio personality that was AI, mm-hmm. did you did it feel like if you were listening to one of your friends on the radio? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it and, and when, and if you thought about it with information that would be fed in, say, uh, you know, whether it be the time, whether it be some kind of information of what the, you know, if it's drizzly out or if we talk about if there's a car accident on 101 on the corridor, if that information is just digitally fed into the system and, you know, she is programmed to respond to it. There's no reason why she couldn't say, hey, it's 16 after 8 o'clock, and I just got word that there's an accident on the quarter. Drive safely on your way into Eureka. That could all just be done with information, data, just data input that was just fed to her. So, and, you know, that if they've, they've already got the kinks worked out with the breathing, the, the enunciation and all that. It's not the old robot sounds of 30 years ago. It's, it's very humanistic, which is scary. And if people are already buying into the AI Instagram models, I don't know that they'd. <laughs> I've got to go check my my, yeah. <laughs> my Instagram account now. 
she's a fake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you would want to think that there's something unique about, especially a person, if you would call it a personality like yourself, uh-huh. that there's something kind of unique about that. But if it can just be recreated, there's no hope for any of us. I'm going to have to start looking for my other avenues of income. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, and there's no reason why that, and I'm, I'm sure they already do that on those that are creating stuff, building the flaws that usually have identified us as humans. You know, whether, whether, whatever that flaw is, it could be a minor flaw, it could be a big flaw, you know, and how we speak, how we sound, how we think, probably more than anything. And you just build in all those flaws to keep it real. So, and once they can formulate some pretty good hot takes, it's a wrap. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. We're done. Human, human life as we know it, it's over. Do you think you said something kind of interesting that you don't think you would age out in the next 15 years? Do do radio personalities age out? Oh, I'm sure they do. I mean, one, you got to, radios, luckily, we're aging wise because our voice doesn't age as, as much as our physical appearance ages, like all of us age. And you look at, you look at actors and or singers, um, um, you know, they tend to, I think, age out a little faster radio for the, the elements that we have voice and so forth but it's more of the it's more of the product that we are creating so if you know and and what i what i deliver on the air now is going to be more in a generation that is older than what it was when i did started 50 years ago um even though i still try to address things that be of interest to you know a teenager or a 20 year old but it's more probably going to be because this is what i have to throw out there to relate to things that are you know in the 40 50 60 year old range stuff like that you know as when i was younger i was way on top of what was happening exactly with uh, you know school stuff because i had four kids you know now i've got grandkids and so i have to i have to make sure i stay on top of getting the data in like an AI of, oh, wait, school's in session today, or they're taking their holiday break, or, um, you know, this team's playing that team, so go, you know, whoever it is. Uh, so it's, it's if I've got to do my job of getting the data in like an AI would, so that, that you could stay relevant, you know, to the audience that you're trying to attract. But you also have the added benefit of being able to grow with your audience. Oh, yeah. You know, you feed back off what, you know, what do they like? What do they want? What are they talking about? What are they into? You know, and and, and the format that I am doing country, you know, stay on top of, you know, who the hot, hot uh, artists are and, and, you know, who are people wanting to see and paying to see and interested to talk about. So. The challenge is you just don't want to be captured by them. Right? Captured. Captured by your audience. What do you explain that? So if you say your audience was, say you were doing some top hits show Mm -hmm. and then you're trying to fit this mold of some guy or girl that's in their 20s to relate to a market that's in their 20s people might look at that and say well i never yeah i never i never have tried to fake that i'm a 20 year old (laughs) with long gone uh you know i'm just i am who i am but i but i enjoy I enjoy the current music. I enjoy the older music. Uh, you know, my, my spectrum of music and uh, likes and dislikes is a number of different genres and it's a whole bunch of different ages and stuff like that. Uh, there are some genres and some uh, stuff that I'm not, I'm not that much into hip hop stuff and, and, you know, some indie music and things like that. So uh, I'd have a tough time relating and conversing and probably 
um, delivering something in that format that would be entertaining. Doesn't mean it couldn't be done just because of the age differential, but it would take a whole lot of education of me to understand, to try to be able to talk and share that kind of stuff. But I wouldn't come in thinking, okay, I'm going to try to deliver this as a 20 year old. You know, it's just. You have to relate where you're at in life. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta stay somewhat realistic. So. What has been the secret to maintaining your voice? I guess you would say over all of these years, because I would imagine you've seen a ton of guys come and go. Um, well, as far as voice, as far as, you know, the, the actual physicalness uh, of the voice deteriorating or something like that. No, your voice, I guess, what makes you you? Because obviously there's something about you that resonates with people. I, I don't know if I could answer that question or if there's an answer to the question. I mean, uh, voice is one thing and people know my voice. Um, it just because it's been around a long time. The sound of your voice. But it's not, they aren't listening just because it's my voice. It's, you know, what you do with it. A lot of people will say, oh, I don't have a voice to record a commercial that I want them to record or be on the air or anything like that. Uh, as long as you got something somewhat normal and not aggravating as far as tone and so forth, that, that's all people are interested in. It's then, it's then it becomes what it, the content is. So, Have you thought about why people listen to your show? No, but my boss has. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think I think just because of the connection, you know, providing information, providing a, a consistency, providing the wake up and, oh, yeah, it's, you know, I'm going to get through and there's, you know, it's like that cup of coffee every morning. So it's like, yeah, I know it's not good for me, but I'm going to enjoy it. So, yeah, I, I, I believe that's why I, I continue to, you know, have the listeners that we do. So one of the things that I've found challenging in doing this is when you're starting out and you're trying to listen to people who know more than you, mm -hmm. one of the things they always say is you have to find your niche, find your market, and then play to that market. Sure. Figure out why somebody is listening to you. And I've never really do you get a lot of feedback off your podcast? It depends on the guest. Okay. Or it depends on the conversation, I guess. Right. And what's the feedback usually? You know, hey. It depends on what was said. Sometimes Well, give me some examples. I've had on Normally, it's the controversial guests yeah. or the contro controversial topics that will have people. I can't stand what they things. said, or I disagree with what they yeah. said, and you know, or yeah, I'm right on. Say it again, play it more, and yeah. Well, the controversial stuff will always gets clicks. Yeah, but it, you don't want to be the person that is just playing controversy to play into that market. No, yeah. because then where's the substance in that? Oh, my suggestion would be just to to vary it, so you have that controversial subject one day, you know, then take it light and easy, you know, talk about cookies the next day. And, and then maybe the, the day after that, you go to the other side of what the previous controversial guest was doing. And especially if it's outside of what you're comfortable with, going back to like, we talked about friends of mine, uh, that we are walking different angles, uh, that it's like, okay, if, if you're, if you're interviewing somebody and you don't know that topic real well, or you're, you're braced by it. It's like, so are other people, but you know what? They're going to, they're going to keep on listening because they want to either hear what is said or they're getting their emotions stirred up. And so. Yeah. I always relate that back to Howard Stearns. Yeah. And I talked to JB about that is there, there's that avenue that you could take where you're just the shock jock, but then how, what does that lead to in terms of longevity? Yeah. You when, can't when, always be that guy. Yeah. When do you run out of shock? <laughs> 
So no, it's good to mix it up. I, you know, we do that. We do that when we're playing music. We don't play always the same fast tempo or slow tempo or whatever. Uh, you know, there's a variety of stuff. So and and everybody likes a little bit of change, even if they love a particular type of. Um, music or a particular subject, they like a little something different that cleanse their palate and then go back and have some more of what they like. So, you know, and, and the emotion that we, we do our St. Jude Radiothon every year, 24 years uh, will be this coming uh, February 29th and March 1st, shameless plug. Um, but the stories on there will tug at your heartstrings. And I have a lot of people say, you know, I can't listen. It just makes me cry and stuff. And so if I tune it out, then I come back later on. I want to hear some more of what's going on. It, you know, I feel like I'm missing out on something. So, uh, you know, emotions is what good uh, high and low, you know, keeps people locked in. You have to have the nuance and variety. Yeah. Otherwise what's, there's no longevity. If you're just repeating the same show day after day, right. Yeah. It's going to get old really fast. Yeah, really fast. Yeah. I mean, look at your day. You got a sunrise, you've got uh, winds and stuff during the day, maybe some fog, and then you got a beautiful sunset, then it's stars dancing at night. And we all like maybe a sunrise, but the, if it was always a sunrise, it wouldn't be as spectacular as when it follows, you know, stars at night. So. Did you always anticipate staying in Hubble when you came back? Um, when I came back, I don't think, I, you know, I don't know that in my life, as I look back, you know, cause I'm still just a kid, um, where geographically I was going to be. Cause again, I was going to become an architect is what I was going to be. I was quite well at that in high school and so forth and, and got into Cal Poly to become that architect. And, but my calculus had a little burp in it. And so I came back to bone up on my calculus before I went back down there. But I don't know that I ever in my mind thought, well, when I get my degree, this is where I'm going to go. I, I really don't recall at any point. I stayed in Humboldt because I ended up evolving from boning up on my calculus and then continuing then working radio around here to then meeting a girl, falling in love. We got married, bought a house. I think when I was 22, we had kids. Uh, we had that relationship, went on for 18 years. And. Uh, you know, at that point, I was I was locked in here, and I, I really like the area. I, I love the area. The you know the thing that gets on on me is is sometimes just our our fog during the summer times, but we can still escape and go to the lakes, and we go and and my wife, uh, you know, she and I have been together twenty five years, twenty four years married. Um, we love to travel, and so we do a lot of traveling to take us to other places. But as far as, uh, yeah, other than some of the expenses of California, some of the time, some of the ideals of maybe the state and or the county, it's, it's not a bad place to be. So, Yeah, some of the policy decisions can get a little wonky sometimes, <laughs> but the weather's beautiful. We're not talking ball bouts right now. Let's not talk about the ball bouts in Eureka. We'll talk about that on another show. Tune in then. <laughs> was there any ever, or was there a desire to branch out in terms of market? Did you ever think, oh, oh I yeah, could go I've always thought, yeah, I'd like to do, you know, I, I had an offer one time to go back and be a program director outside of Chicago at a three station uh, thing, but uh, I, I didn't, I didn't take, you know, that was just offered and it, it wasn't, it never became real. Uh, and it's just more because of family and friends tying me here. I didn't really have a desire to go much beyond here. Um, 
but at the same time, uh, it's been said, and I agree with this, it's better to be a big fish in a small pond than a small fish in a big pond. And if I had done that kind of branching out, got into more major markets and so forth, I probably wouldn't still be in radio because at some point my ratings might have dipped or ownership changed and they go, oh, here you're gone. We're going to get somebody else, you know, it's a, and that's one of the nice things being in a smaller market, making yourself valuable to your employer, your the station owners, et cetera. Uh, I think that helps with the longevity that I've had. So as far as branching out, we've talked because uh, the company that we do work for, um, has, I think it's 53 radio stations. We talked about one point doing my show or two or three of the other markets at the same time down in Ukiah and possibly up in Medford and so forth. Uh, but at the time, the technology was more expensive than what we could justify it at. So, Well, now with the technology, it's almost why leave? Because you could just phone oh, yeah. into a different radio station. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, now with the uh, voice tracking and, and streaming and everything else that we can do, you know. I still haven't quite figured that out. I, I haven't figured out. I haven't got it authorized quite yet that I could sit either over at our lake house or be over in Greece and do my show, you know, and build out another studio. Yeah. Hey, you know, all you need is a laptop and a, a decent microphone. And, you know, like I said, I, said, I've said I could, I could be down in Mexico and, you know, Puerto Vallarta sitting on the beach and doing the morning show. And you probably wouldn't know. In fact, we are right now, we're in Santorini is where we are at. Nicholas and I, we're broadcasting overlooking the beautiful Calderon. He thinks we're in your, he's telling you we're in Eureka, but we're over in, in Greece right now. It's actually green screens behind us. I've just Photoshopped in yeah. our backgrounds. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you the pictures of, of, you know, what we want to put there. So, okay. Look at the screen. He's going to now put our view here from, from here in uh, Santorini of what it looks like now. Yeah, I think about that a lot in terms of this, because part of me believes in order to go to the next level, you have to go somewhere bigger. Like I would have to go to a big city, but then there's the flip side of, well, everything's online now. Well, it And is. I've started phoning in some, I've done some Zoom interviews with some other guests, and yeah. that seems like a viable option. But I mean, in terms of getting guests in the studio, it's kind of hard because Humboldt's small. Not well, a lot of people Well, it is small, but, uh, but again, with the Zoom with the Zoom stuff, I mean, the, the interviews I'm doing tomorrow, all three are going to be via Zoom, which sounds so much better than telephone. And if we wanted to include the video, you could do, do the video. You know, you watch national broadcasts of news and sports. They're Zooming and people in. They're Zooming right. people all the time. Yeah. And they're in an environment kind of like here. I've got the red curtains behind me. You've got the brick wall behind you. And, you know, that could be anywhere. So, oh, you could, you could, yeah, you know, when people, maybe I'll throw your name out there to some of the people that I've got, my producers, Michael and such, and they'll say, hey, if you need somebody, Nicholas will put you, you know, put your guests on a podcast. Yes. And that's one of the challenges. I'm sure you can relate to that is just finding guests, finding interesting yeah. people that you want to bring on. Well, I'm lucky now. It used to be, I had to chase all that stuff um, and I had sources to do that, but now we employ, we employ people that that book, that kind of stuff, you know, whether it be, I, I interview uh, a good portion of the voice contestants every season. You know, I talk to them uh, every season. Um, you know, they line that stuff up for me. As I said, I had Rob Reiner on and the guests that I've got coming up tomorrow. So, so it's all lined up by, uh, you know, a company that that's their job. You know, they're a production company. So. That's nice. Yeah. Oh, kind of very takes nice. away the grunt work. Of Part that. of my staff. <laughs> so do you have final say on who comes on? I've, I, another luxury I have being the big fish in the small pond is, uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't have, as long as I don't rock the boat, uh, and create a, an issue for, uh, the management or ownership, 
I pretty much can do what I want to do and they trust me on doing what I do and doing it correctly. So do you ever want to rock the boat? Do I ever want to? Really? I was listening to an interview you did with the guy from the Wolf of Wall Street, the guy that is based oh, yeah. on. Yeah. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Belfort. Um Jordan Jordan Belfair. Belfair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I was listening to that and part of me was thinking, man, just ask him because he's saying he's promoting his book. He's talking about how he's always wanted to help people and that's kind of a passion of his. Yeah. And all I'm thinking in the background is, but you kind of screwed over a lot of people. Like, <laughs> how do you how do you balance those two things in your mind where you're saying you want to help people, but I mean, you did yeah, some time. Well, and, and that's, yeah. And, uh, but that's one of those things where you don't want to burn the bridge. I, yeah. The last thing I want him to do is go, ah, never mind. Click. Yeah, click. Click. It's gone. Because then the producers, when, you know, they throw out, we've got, hey, such and such guest and, and um, d- you know, do you want to take him? And then I throw in yes or no. And then they kind of pick and go, well, we've got, you know, so-and-so in Philadelphia wants to talk to him. Rollin in Eureka wants to talk to him. But Rollin's always pretty good. And, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to, you know, piss off my, you know, our guests. So I'll give them to Rollin. So yeah, I, I walked that. I mean, there's a few times I, I had, uh, Julian Lennon, John Lennon's son on. And, uh, at some point he had sold off the catalog of his dad's and, and I, I brought that up in one context and he just flat out said, we're not going to talk about that Rollin. And it's like, no, we're not. We'll move right on. So, you know, I did. I want to keep on. You know, that's my closest connection to talking to a beetle was talking to a beetle's son. So, you know, I didn't want to end that conversation. I'd rather have. I like when I have guests who I'll come up with a question and they'll 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 laugh and they go, "That's a great question. I've never had, you know," and and respond to that or find some kind of connection. And what's interesting too is how many people have a connection to the North Coast. I've talked to, I can't remember the actress, but she says, yeah, we got married there. We got married off Trinidad Head. It's like, what? She goes, yeah, we were driving down there. I thought, what a beautiful place to get married. And so we we made some phone calls and yeah, we got, it's like, who would have, you know, who knew that, you know, someone traveling down, somebody that, and I can't remember the actress, but it was an actress, you know, fairly well known and so forth. So there's a lot of people that, uh, oh yeah, I've been up there a lot of times, you know, sometimes it was the, uh, the green community that, you know, brought them up here in the decades gone by, but uh, sometimes it's, you know, just. They wanted to see the redwoods or the beaches and just happened to stop by. So, yeah, it's interesting that we're on the map for a lot of those people. Oh, yeah. You always hear, oh, so and so is in town. Like Julia Roberts was in town a while ago. Oh, she? And you hear <laughs> a couple of years ago, maybe back Julia, you never called me. I told you next time in town. I said, could have been an in studio. My wife is quite okay. I told her it's over. You can come by now. So, but people like that, you hear them in town and you think, oh, okay, well, we're on the map to somebody. Yeah. Well, and, all these, all these people that are names at some point weren't names and, you know, they may have, they may have had a, a friend here or they went to school here or, or just, uh, uh, you know, want to see the redwood trees or the Pacific ocean stuff that we take for granted. So I'm always thinking about that idea of the burning bridges because part of me believes or not necessarily believes, but is read from a number of people and trying to be a better interviewer, I guess, mm-hmm. or learn how to actually have a well thought out conversation with somebody. And some of the advice that I took from one book was that you have to treat each interview as if it's the first and the last time that you're going to talk to this person. It could be. That's how you get the most out of it. Yeah. But I mean, that's a risky way to go because you burn that bridge. It might not just be that person. It might be everyone that's connected to that person. And now the The, the ripple. Yeah. The ripple effect. 
you know, and, and um, sometimes you might have asked something that's great and, and got a lot of response, but then there are people that can be offended because you did ask that. There wasn't a respect maybe that people uh, want you to have with everybody or, uh, you know, hey, that's over the line. Sure, you got that information out of them, but that's over the line, you know, whatever the subject and how you approached it. So sometimes it's hard to gauge that line when you're talking with somebody and you feel like you are building up a rapport and you think you could take the conversation in a new direction, and then you ask the question yeah. and you can feel the air drop in the room. Well, at that point, then you've got to be able to recognize it and then know how to move forward and, and still keep things on a positive I'm basis. still working on that part. Uh, none of us are perfect. I mean, but we do that in life too. I mean, if we're in some place and you ask a question and you see somebody's, you know, the blood boils up in their, their cheeks or, or they get all depressed or stuff like that. And you're like, Oh no, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, Hey, let's talk about, you know, something else. You know, we'll talk about, you know, Mahomes and you know, how he did yesterday or something different. So have you ever had an interview that's gotten a little hot? I don't think I've had anything that's gotten hot. I just, I'm not that kind of person. And then the topics haven't been that kind of person. I've talked to a lot of different people. Again, most of the time people I'm talking to, are, you know, are trying to sell something, a movie or a book or, or a TV show or something like that. And so we're talking about that. And I just try to tie in who they are. And usually I want them on because there's something about them I know. A lot of times, a lot of times I have people on, it's just like, oh, okay, that's really cool. I've followed them for a long time. And, you know, I was an idol when they were a kid. I mean, I had everybody from Captain Kangaroo, which you're too young to know who Captain Kangaroo was. Uh, but I had Captain Kangaroo, who was I as a kid before going to school would watch Captain Kangaroo. So I had, you know, everybody from there to, um, Suzanne Summers, who in American Graffiti used to idolize her in the the T Bird. She's a blonde, hot blonde in the T Bird, and to have her come on the show, which she was on three times. You know, come on and say, God, Ronald, I just love your voice. It's like, oh, say that again. <laughs> yeah, clip <laughs> yeah. that part. I'm gonna yeah. save it. Save that. I'm doing that. That's going to be on my new ringtone. You know, um, so uh, a lot. And, and I've had I've had a lot of different rock groups on and i think i've had the doobie brothers on a couple of times on my show and it's like why would the doobie brothers be on the country station well because it's my show and i've since i was a teenager loved the doobie brothers and if i can talk to you know pete johnson and and, and the guys on the air i'm going to talk to pete johnson on the air so that's one of the cool things of having that power is you can reach out to all of these people that yeah. you knew before you were doing it and say hey come come on my show let's talk yeah whereas if you weren't on radio or if you weren't in this line of work, maybe you'd never have the opportunity to cross. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he would have. You know, Pete Johnson would call and say, "Hey, Roland, just call and see what you're doing." I just here. want to you check know? in. Yeah, you know, I had, I had, um, uh, let's see, who did I have? I had Ronald Reagan Jr. on. You know, uh, Ron Reagan's son, who was a politician businessman. I had him on, and he probably would not have called and seen. You know, checking in, see what what I'm doing. Um, uh, Billy Carter, who is uh, Jimmy Carter's brother, he had his own shenanigans going on with Billy Beer and everything else. But again. I wouldn't have had a brother's uh, president's brother giving me a call to to talk and you know different movie stars and so forth. So, who's been the most interesting one that you've talked to, or the one that's been that stands out as a highlight? It, 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 Do you have one? I don't know that I have one specific one. And I was horrible at retaining. Uh, and again, some of these interviews in the day were recorded on on reel to reel tape. Uh, you know, because been doing it that long, computers didn't exist when I started. Um, the stuff that has been done with computers, most of that's been saved and archived. But even then, sometimes I fail 
for some reason. But, um, you know, there's different ones. I think back of, wow, I actually talked to, I had, a, I had one of the four survivors of the Titanic on before, wow. before they passed. She was a baby on the Titanic when she was in her 90s when I talked to her. Uh, you know, I used to have Buddy Epson, uh, who was an actor before your time, but uh, I had his home telephone number and I called him usually on his birthday and, hey, buddy, this is Rollin, hey, Rollin is, you know, wishing him a happy birthday. And, um, you know, I've had uh, various entertainers on. I've had, you know, Na uh, Tina Sinatra, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sinatra's daughter on. And, you know, so most have been as close to how can I tie up to these really big icons and stuff, some that may not be around or some that just wouldn't, you know, be on the show. But still, there's there's a connection and so forth. So, um, but as far as a particular one, I don't know. There's, there's been a lot of them that have just been kind of fun to say that. Yeah, I talked to them. Well, you've been doing it for so long now that lit I'm running out, just, I'm running yeah. out of people. So, but I'm going to get Nicholas on. Well, maybe I'll just take the copy of this and rebroadcast it. I on my release today. Did I get that? Okay. Yeah, we could do that. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we'll throw that in. That's there. a, that's a verbal contract. Note the time of the day. That's I've thought about throwing these up on some radio stations, but it's always the restrictions that kind of. Well, yeah. Who, 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 who owns bit. the, who owns the rights and, and you know, what can you do with it? Well, even just in terms of the content, you can't cuss, you can't, there's time restrictions. Yeah. I, I don't know on, you know, uh, we're not posting any podcasts on our stations here. I know some of our markets we do, but, uh, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, di a different Beast. world, you know, versus, you know, the live broadcast, because I'm so used to not saying the words I'm not supposed to say and so forth. And, and again, people tuning into this are tuning in to hear the content. They're not tuning in to hear this, but really want to hear the music. So you know, you've got more liberties on, on this kind of platform. So yeah, there's nobody on the back end saying, oh, you shouldn't have said that, which can get <laughs> you into trouble because everything is fair game. There's no, yeah, there, it's an open field. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's fun. So when are you going to refinish the tabletop? You know, I've had a couple guests ask me about that. Some are pro just having the unfinished wood, which now, I do. Is that, I the, do is like that it. the video that you're working off over there? Or? Yeah, I've got one over here behind me and one on that one's on me. That one's on you. Yeah. Okay. So but, they can, can they see the, the, I think they've caught glimpses. I'm not sure what the angle will be on this yet. It's just plywood, but it's a nice plywood. Yeah. Eventually we'll get, did you do all the construction in the studio? Yeah. Yes, yeah, started on a pool table at my parents' house. <laughs> so we've come Wait a, second. a long way. That's whose basement this is. This is your parents' basement, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. If you go upstairs, mom's cooking dinner or cooking lunch. Uh, it right smells now. good. It, it really does. Do I get a stay for lunch with yeah, mom? Yeah, you could. Yeah. I think we're having sandwiches. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's been, yeah, it's been a fun evolution. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, this this is this is interesting. I saw that JB did that. And I thought, well, where who is this guy? Because again, I haven't listened, but now you'll you'll catch me. I'll I'll want to tune back in to hear this, and and I'll have to check out and see. Also, all your stuff that you've done has been archived for the four years. Yeah, it's out there. Really, all of them. What has been your best interview beyond this one? Obviously, is going to top all the previous ones. I I've enjoyed a lot of them. The most surreal one I think so far. I. I mean, well, even that, I've had a number of those that have been pretty surreal. I had Darren Surreal Shan in what on. way? Surreal in, for, so for Darren Shan, I had him on a couple of weeks ago and I read his book. He's an author. I read his book when I was in fourth grade and that was the book that really got me interested. And see, in that's, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about where you ask, which of my favorite, some of the things that, you know, um, 
you know, watch a movie. There's an actress on. Uh, it's a have you ever seen the It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah. So the little the, the little girl at the end, Jimmy Stewart's holding her. That ring, the bell rings, and my teacher said every time you know bell rings, an angel gets this. I've had that actress on, and so everybody else in that movie, I think, is long gone. But to have somebody that goes back to that era, you know, which is decades before I was around, and to have on, it's like okay, that was kind of as you said, a surreal kind of deal. And there's been so many interviews like that. I, you know, I'd have Loretta Swit from, uh, uh, from, um, uh, I just lost it, MASH. And, you know, my dad and I, I, as a kid, my dad, you know, being the adult watching MASH on TV for the nine, 11 years that it was on and hot lips Houlihan, you know, and it's like, oh, I have hot lips Houlihan on my show. My dad would be just like, wow, way to go, son. So, you made it. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's what's kind of cool, the, those kinds of, of connections. So The sentimental ones. Yeah. Where you can relate it to a different it's, Yeah, it's, it's more than just necessarily the content that we had at that moment. But so. Yeah, that was a pretty surreal one for me just because of that connection. But I had that's on cool. my bus driver when I was in elementary school and talked to him. And I would have never, we probably would have never crossed paths once and, I left and that what's, school. And what's, what's his name? Martin Tunzi. He's a pastor he's local that name sounds familiar you probably know him small maybe, town maybe i've had him on my show i don't know but interesting guy and that was surreal just as equally surreal because i knew him when i was you know just a little tight kid, kid on the bus yeah and then to see him now that i'm a little bit older and he's a little bit older and actually have a fully fleshed out conversation was kind of <laughs> just a trip it wasn't sit down no no standing Stop on, the fighting bus. on the bus <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I used to, Grumpy Grimes was the, I remember what Mrs. Grimes' full name was, because I think all we could call her was Mrs. Grimes. Behind her back, we called her Grumpy Grimes. But uh, that's about the only bus driver I remember from my elementary school days. Yeah, Mr. Tunsey's the only one I remember. Made an impression. What other teachers made impression in your life? I've had a number of them, local ones. I've thought about reaching out to them, but teachers, it almost feels like there's a different barrier because they... Feel like scared? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I bet you, I bet you, teachers would be very interested to hear from their students and how they're doing. They probably already follow you and acknowledge, but they probably maintain that respect of separate lives. But yeah, I think on the different teachers, I had uh, Gene Petrick. He was a band teacher. Um, I had Mr. Van Meter. He was my drafting teacher. Um, I'm trying to think some of the other ones that, uh, you know, some of the times I just haven't revisited that world for decades. So trying to even remember who they are. And then it's like, oh, I remember, I remember her or him or whatever. Do you bring on a lot of people that have been a part of your past in that way? Um, maybe more towards the beginning. Not, not really. I don't, you know, most of the time people have more of a reason, not the, a connection with me, just a connection, you know, with the community, you know. It's like today it was, you know, part of, part of what I like, like today, um, you know, Ferndale won the state championship on Friday. And so I had some people reach out, which, I, which was great because I was already going to turn around and reach out to somebody. Uh, and we had some of the football team on today just to have them in the studio and say, Hey, congratulations. You know, what was it like to go down there and, you know, kick butt and win a state championship? So, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's more of a connect of what the community, what the listener would connect to, hopefully. Do you have any guess that you're still, kind of hoping for or are on your list to get well let's see carrie underwood 
I've I've left messages with her, but she keeps still waiting for the reception. I've met I've met her. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the one thing that has been kind of cool. I've met a lot of people over the years. Sometimes it's either emceeing a concert or the work we've done with St. Jude's and and the times we've been back in Memphis. And and that's where I met Carrie was back there. We were like this, actually in a table a little smaller. Uh, And it's shortly after her and Mike were engaged. And so she, within a couple of weeks, she had this huge rock on her hand and, you know, started off the conversation. And I literally had maybe two minutes with her so she could just record some liners. And I was like, man, that's a big, beautiful rock. And she's oh, you yeah, find the thing that connects on the personal instead of like, oh, I'm a biggest fan of yours. I was like, no, that's a good looking rock. And she was kind of, any gal just engaged would be very thrilled to talk about that. So, you know, but the, the people that I've met over the years have been, you know, pretty cool and lucky. You know, again, it just, it's, you know, got, got in the right spot at the right time. Do you still get nervous talking to some of these people? No, I don't. I, I, most of the time, I don't get nervous on any of that stuff. Um, just, I guess I've done it enough times that even if I fall on my face and I do occasionally, um, I'll be able to get back up. And there's every once in a while, the butterflies get in my system. Um, you know, it might be, uh, in my officiating world, the start of a big game, I'll get a few butterflies, but if you don't have those and you know, are you really alive? Um, and occasionally if I still am seeing a concert here or there, you know, maybe before I step out on stage, but you know, kind of like once the lights on and you're on stage and you're going, it's, no, it's, it's, it's not, I don't have the butterflies at that point. So it's almost second nature at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like I said, uh, probably done it enough times and, and know that even if I failed in, in the role that I'm in at that moment, it's not a life and death situation. So it's not brain surgery. It's not brain surgery. Some wise person once said that. I think that's the lesson to take from this podcast. There you go. It's not brain surgery. (laughs) (laughs) And here's your example, Roland Trier. All right. Well, Roland, thanks for doing this. Really. We'll have to do it again. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to plug where people can listen, where they can find you? You can listen listen to me on uh, Big Red Country. It's on air at 92.3 in the uh, Ill River Valley. It's 98.3. The website is kred923.com. It's got a live uh, listen bar. You can also do a, uh, download our apps or we're on, uh, Alexa and all those smart speakers and stuff. Just say, you know, look, listen for big red country and get that programmed in there and Hey, reach out and say, hi, say you sucked on hit podcast. So, all right, we're rolling. Thanks. This was a lot of fun. You're welcome. It was fun. Mm-hmm.